I've learned just as much from coarse, harsh, rude feedback as I have from gentle feedback. And it's one's own ability to separate the wheat from the chaff of feedback to then be able to move forward in it. My name is Hannah Herbst and I welcome you to another episode of Reaching Your Goals. Depending on the day, I either wear the hat of a certified leadership and career coach or a management consultant and I have an MBA from NYU Stern School of Business. Reaching Your Goals is my career-focused podcast where I sit down with inspiring individuals and we talk about career and leadership-related topics to give you the insights to get one step closer to living a fulfilled professional life. My mission is simple, to inspire you to reach your goals, lead with kindness, and have some fun along the way. For episode 12, we have a great topic, feedback. What's coming to mind when you think about receiving or giving feedback? It's not easy, is it? That's why we need to talk about it. I have a great guest, Sean Litvak, for it. Before we get there, I need to pause at the note of feedback because I'd love to get your feedback on the podcast in Apple Podcast or in Spotify, ideally in the form of five stars. And if you could also add a nice comment in Apple Podcast, that would be greatly appreciated. Thank you. And if there's anything else you would love to share, you can reach me at hannahadelegate.com. Enough about that. As said, my guest today is Sean Litvak. Sean is an author, coach, and senior director of business development within facilities management. He's a native of the Chicagoland area, a graduate of the University of Illinois, and lives now in southern Indiana, outside Louisville in Kentucky, with his wife. His first book, Proverbs for Leadership, just came out in February, and in the book, he's covering topics all around leadership. That includes self-talk, self-sabotage, expectation, listening, or feedback, and more. And he's linking it to various proverbs, and it's a really interesting concept, and I bet you will enjoy our conversation about it. I certainly did. With that, let's get started. Good morning, Sean. It's a pleasure to have you here today. How are I'm you doing? I'm doing great, Hannah. I love the time zone difference because it's the middle of the day for you and the sun hasn't even come up here. But I'm, I'm just so excited that you invited me to be on your podcast. I'm willing to get up very early to speak with you. Thank you. I really, really appreciate that. And that will be also the first question for the rapid fire. Is 7 a.m. for you? You seem to have lots of energy at this early time. What's your secret? So I get up most days at five in the morning. And the Wait. first thing that I do, <laughs> seriously, and the first thing I do is pray. Then I spend about 15 minutes in, in prayer. Then I read a chapter of Proverbs each day. Then either read 10 pages of a book that is motivational to get me going for the day or I lift weights for about 20 minutes, and then I normally walk our 80-pound golden retriever for 45 minutes before getting ready for the workday. Today, 
my wife is going to walk our golden retriever because it's still dark here. And we decided maybe I shouldn't walk him in, in the dark. So then at that point, I just showered and got ready. For him. So here I am. Wow. Say, so what do you prefer, emails or phone calls? You know, I, I love talking to people. I always prefer phone calls. However, some things can be done through emails or texts. And I, I had a supervisor who once had a rule that if something was more than three exchanges, pick up the phone and, and have a conversation. So if it's a quick, easy answer, I will text somebody because that's even faster than email. If it's something where a little more explanation needs to be done, but again, it's one exchange, maybe no more than two exchanges, email's fine. But if you want to get into the nitty gritty and have a conversation, that's where you need to pick up the phone. And do you do any sports or have a hobby? I was once defined by a friend of mine as a leadership junkie as my <laughs> hobby. Since then, thankfully, I have grown. Last year, my wife bought me a smoker for, you know, to smoke meat for Father's Day. So I'm very much into smoking. I, I like to get in the pool in, in the summer. And frankly, my wife and I are very involved at our church, so we do a lot of things there too. What do you need to be at your best? Eight hours of sleep. That's number one. And I know some people are rolling their eyes when they hear that. The studies have shown get eight hours of sleep, especially once you pass 30. It makes all the difference in, in the world. What is your favorite social media platform? It depends. It really depends on what I want to do. If I want to connect with people for my employer, it would be LinkedIn. If I want to see what friends are doing, it would be Facebook. If I want to learn things, it would be TikTok. So which one do you prefer? I spend the most time on either LinkedIn or TikTok. I've never been on TikTok. It, it is amazing some of the things I've learned on, on TikTok. How would your clients describe you in one word? Tenacious. Tell me more about tenacious. I don't give up. I end up pursuing the goal that I'm after. To close a sale, I have called on some people for years and years. The longest it ever took me to close a deal was 10 years. And I just stayed in touch with that person you know, and gave them proposals multiple times over 10 years. There's a recent opportunity that I was working on that I've stayed in touch with the person for three years, even when they haven't necessarily returned my phone calls or my messages. So I have very much of a long view, which is very helpful if you're writing a book, because my book began as one kind of book and then turned into another kind of book. So you need to have the long view and being tenacious, I believe, is not only persistent, but it's also having the long view. And you just mentioned books. What is the last book that you've read? The last book I read, it's right here on my desk, is Selling in a Crisis by Jeb Blunt. I'm in the mm -hmm. middle of the 10x rule by Grant Cardone, which is an older book, but I've never read it. But the last book I actually finished is Selling in a Crisis. Who is one of your role models? 
My number one role model is Jesus Christ. When when you look at him, he was all man and all God. And but at the, at the same time, he went through life, he experienced life, and he experienced joy, he experienced in in my opinion anger when when he turned over tables in the, in, the, in the account of that in the synagogue. And each day I strive to be more and more like Jesus. And your book is called Proverbs for Leadership. What is your favorite proverb? So I, I really don't have a favorite proverb. I would say the most, one of the most important proverbs is, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another which talks about how important the relationships in your life are, that you become who you are around. Those individuals that you bring into your life will either sharpen or dull you. I guess this goes back to this saying that you are the five people you, you surround yourself with. You are very much the five people that, that you surround yourself with which is why I am definitely thoughtful about who I spend time with. Who are the five people in your life? So there's more than five people. The The people that have the greatest influence in me other than my spouse from a business perspective or an entrepreneurial perspective would be those individuals in the mastermind group, Megamind, that I am in. What does a fulfilled professional life mean to you? A fulfilled professional... These are great questions. A fulfilled professional life would be a life where A, you are achieving success, however that is defined by you personally. It's it's, it's pretty much the the subtitle of, of, of my book. You must understand yourself and improve if you desire leadership that produces success in others. So understanding yourself and improve. Producing success for both yourself and others, but the realization that success in yourself will come from producing success in others. And what is the most important quality in a leader? Listening. More so than anything else, so many leaders think that they need to have all the answers, but what they they really need to have is discernment to listen and understand to what they are hearing. Last question for the rapid fire. What is the best advice you've been given in your personal or professional life? Listen to God. (laughs) Slow down. Listen to God. Spend time in quiet time. Get into the Bible, pray, and listen for what God has to say. I see the direct link to your morning routine right there. (laughs) (laughs) I would like to jump in and learn more about you and your life. Would you mind sharing the milestones that led you to where you are today? You know, I I have what, what some would call an interesting background. I grew up in the Chicagoland area, got married couple years after college, had met, met my wife, had a short courtship, and then got married. While I was growing up in the Chicagoland area, I was very involved in the Reformed Jewish Youth Movement. I'm very active at the synagogue I attended, very active in the Chicagoland area Jewish youth. But then shortly before we moved, in December of 
1991, I invited Jesus Christ in, into my life as, as Lord and Savior, which well, really more as Savior than than Lord. That that's a whole nother thing I'll I'll touch on in in a minute. And shortly later, we ended up having the opportunity to move from Chicago, my wife and I, to somewhere, and it was either Iowa or Kentucky. So we moved to Louisville, Kentucky, just the two of us, all of our family back in Chicago, all of our friends back in Chicago. So it was very much a cling or kill situation for the two of us. And we needed to learn each other and learn to get along, and, and that, that's something that, that we are, are, are still embracing to this day. But as we moved forward, we were able to grow professionally, we were able to grow personally, and we were able to grow in our faith, not always in the simple stair-step ways. There was very much the squiggle line going on as to our growth takes three steps forward, two steps back. But I had worked with an organization for over 20 years, found myself at, at another organization, so surprisingly. And when I left that first organization that I had been with for over 20 years was when I decided to write a book. And I played with it for a number of years working on it, not really having direction. And one of the major milestones in writing Proverbs for Leadership was when I was praying about it and God told me, if you write this book, I will take care of everything five times over. So I didn't know what that meant, but I knew that that was a powerful statement. But I still played with it. Then, like everyone else, eventually COVID hit in, in 20, which was a major milestone. And I had found myself right before COVID hit in a new job, and I, I had to do what nobody wants to during a global pandemic. And I had to cold call people to talk to them about the janitorial services that our, our company provided. And some people would think, oh, that's an easy sale. Well, it wasn't because people didn't even want to talk. They were freaking out. But I found myself in a virtual mastermind group after a while of, of searching online and meeting these people that were also seeking for how to make a difference, how to engage in their business during this global pandemic and developing new skills around these other people virtually across Canada and the, and the U.S. made a major difference. I, I was eventually finished my, my, my book, was successful at work, and continue to march forward now. Thank you for sharing that. And you said also before that you've been thinking about writing a book and that in the end, the end result is something different versus the initial idea. Yeah, so the initial idea of the book was more about how to conduct business properly, how to conduct business Sean's way. I was going to educate people as to the right way to do things. And it really wasn't taking off as I was writing it because I was realizing that not necessarily that my way wasn't the best way, but people may not accept it. And I'd always been a, a fan of the book of Proverbs. And over time, it just came to me that what I needed to, to do was make a list of 
everything that I thought was important in business, and, and I realized eventually that it was not only important in business, but also important in personal growth. And I needed to link these to scriptural principles that made sense because in my opinion, the Bible is truth. So, and it's foundational truth. I don't subscribe to this person is their truth and this person has their truth. I believe in foundational truth of the word of God. So linking those together allowed me to look at what I was believing, find the scriptural basis to it. And then I added in personal stories that brought it all together. When I first wrote the book, it was not personalized at all. It was more just how to do things. And when I went to a peer group of five people and gave them all the book to read, one of the recurring feedback points that I received from all of them was you got to personalize this. You're just telling people what to do. You're not giving them examples of how you have put it into play. What did you learn about yourself in the process? If I do not moderate myself, I will continue to be deeply flawed. I learned that I need to have a spiritual connection and engage with God on a daily basis. And, and it's interesting that, that I bring that up is what I learned about myself because I don't necessarily say that in the, in the book. Yes, there's scripture throughout the book, Proverbs for Leadership, but it's not do this because God says so. Do this because the Bible says this. It just links the two. So I learned exactly what the subtitle of the, of the book is. I'm, I'm very transparent about that, that I needed to understand myself and improve to succeed in the leadership that I desired. And to succeed in that leadership, I needed to, rather than be concerned about my own success, I needed to work on the success of others on my team or as customers, because that would produce success for me. You mentioned the book of Proverbs several times. Could you just maybe in a nutshell, what is it? I'm sure there are more people like me who don't know. Sure. So the, the book of Proverbs is one of the books in the Bible. It, it has sayings, accounts, instructions in it that many of the things, the, the statements that we hear today and say today are from the book of, of Proverbs, and it just has nuggets of wisdom that are supernaturally inspired. I mean, when I look at it ev mm -hmm. every single day, I'm in the book of Proverbs. What was it this morning? The, this morning I was in Proverbs 27, and one thing that, that spoke to me is that as the refining pot for silver and the furnace for gold, so is a man to his praise. So what that talks about is, is that Praise, people normally think of praise as, oh, let's feel good, but praise can refine you. Praise can remove the edge from you. Praise can remove the impurities from you if you consider it and take time with it. And what I talked about already, iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friends. You are who you are around from Proverbs 26 yesterday, as a thorn goes into a, the hand of a drunkard, so is a parable in the mouth of fools, which some people would hear them like, what, what is that about? Well, think about it. If a thorn is going into someone who's drunk, they don't realize it. 
And a parable is a form of instruction. So instruction has little impact on a foolish person. So what's the message? Don't be foolish and let the instruction have an impact. So Proverbs is full of that. I hear a lot of like common sense wisdom. You know, and, and the thing about common sense, and, and I, I talk about this quite a, a bit just in conversation. If common sense was so common, people would have more sense. But people don't embrace common sense. I mean, when people read, read, read my book, and uh, at many points, I truly hope they say, oh, well, that's obvious. Okay, okay, well, are you doing it? It might be obvious, but what are you doing about it? Who is the audience for your book? So the audience for my book is anyone that wants to understand themselves and improve and move into leadership or is in a leadership position. So does that mean being more on the religious side is not a prerequisite to become a fan of your book? No. And people use the word re religious. I don't think you have to be religious to in enjoy my book. I think it, it certainly helps if you are a person that un understands that there, there is God and have a, a respect for God. But at the same time, I think people that are not full of faith and are seeking a different way of, of doing things they will find my book helpful and encouraging also. You could take all the scripture out of the book mm -hmm. and the book would still be incredibly helpful for people. I decided to leave the scripture in the book and specifically call it out in a way that people could see it and how it relates to what I'm explaining. And in your book, you cover, I believe, 10, 11 different topics. How did you pick those? How did that happen? They're very much the experience of my life. The topics that, that I cover are self-talk and self-sabotage, how words affect others, how to, the, this is one of my favorites, how to be human and let people get to know you, because I was always very standoffish at work, not wanting to get involved with people for personally. There is many chapters in the book about feedback and how to embrace Fee feedback is something that I personally have struggled with because for a long period in my career, I always thought I was right. So why did I need feedback? And that then kept me from providing constructive and encouraging feedback to others, how your expectations are just for, for yourself, how you need to listen to your team, how to create an atmosphere that allows people to engage and gets them to want to engage, how to have joy at work. Joy is something that I think we're, we're, we're missing. Understanding the authority that we have been given. There's many bosses out there that don't understand the authority that they have been given. They just see it as an opportunity to push forward on people. And then finally setting a plan to move ahead Once you understand all of this about yourself, now what? We want to double click on feedback. I used to work in Procter Gamble and there we had the saying, feedback is a gift. What's your take on feedback as a gift? Feedback is the gift that keeps on giving. Feedback sometimes is a gift that doesn't taste good either. Someone may make you a special meal and, and you taste it and you don't like it. That's, that's how feedback can be. I had a, a colleague at 
a company that I worked for that wanted to create a culture where, where we said thank you for the feedback when someone gave us feedback. Feedback is so misunderstood. It's not just telling people how to do something, but it's also personally how to listen to others and not set aside people, what people are, are telling you because of their gender, because of their age, because of their background, because they're not really involved in what you're trying to do. Sometimes someone that is outside of the situation you are in can give you the best feedback. And feedback, you know, I've learned just as much from coarse, harsh, rude feedback as I have from gentle feedback. And it's one's own ability to separate the wheat from the chaff of feedback to then be able to move forward in it. Yes, feedback is definitely a gift. Let's start with giving feedback. How should you give feedback? Courageously, constructively, encouragingly, and with the benefit of the other person in mind. You know, when an individual leads a team, they may be concerned about, is the team performing at the top level? And that is a reflection upon them. Well, when you're providing feedback, feedback should be given, if it's to the entire team, on how the team can improve. If it's being given to an individual, feedback should be given from the perspective of coaching to someone's strengths, but improving their weaknesses. Always just telling someone where they are weak and need to improve is not going to encourage them. You need to find a way to link that to an area in which they are strong. Can you give me an example? The oldest one on earth is, is, is the Oreo cookie way of, of providing feedback where the two ends are you say something nice and encouraging and the middle is where you get to the meat of it. The best supervisors that I've had that have given me feedback have consistently given feedback. Feedback should not be an event. Feedback should be a way of life that is fluctuates from the positive and encouraging to the constructive and promoting for growth. So if feedback is a lifestyle and a way of life, then when you do have to have a constructive conversation with someone, since you've had an ongoing conversation with them, that feedback will not seem to come out of the blue. What's the last feedback that you gave? I told someone that we, we were in a sales situation and really we were preparing for a sales meeting. And I told the in individual that they needed to stop telling the soon-to-be customer that, you know, we really want to close this deal. We really want to close this proposal. I, I explained to them, I said, yes, we want to do that, but they don't care that we want to close it. What they care about is that we want to provide the right solution. So you need to talk about how to provide the right solution to them, which is what we want to do. And then the result of that will end up being 
closing the proposal. So let's focus instead on providing the right solution and asking exploratory questions to make sure the solution we've provided is correct. And, and, and they took it rather well. What was it about how you phrased your feedback that the other person incorporated it? You know, I am not always the best at this, but when I put my mind to it, you know, you have to be gentle and put yourself in the other person's perspective when you're providing feedback. And if you're a faith person, you have to realize that, you know, everyone is not. And you may be the only image of God that this person sees. So when you're providing feedback, you need to do it in a way that is encouraging and courageous, but still gets the point across without being insulting. And one thing to add, I feel like what is also very important is to stick to I messages and not to generalize how I perceive something, how this makes me feel to really take the noise out of the message and really share that because I feel that is much easier to digest on the other side. So I understand I messages. I, I would say that it is I messages coupled with how the audience is going to receive what the person is saying. When, when you're having a conversation with someone about how to present in a different way, because if you just say, I feel this way and I think, then it turns into, well, you're one person, you could be, be wrong. So it it's, would be helpful to help the individual understand that this may be the way, this is the way, that groups of people would view what someone is saying and not have it be singular to I. But there, there, there is a, a point when you're having a conversation, a, a, a feedback meeting with someone where you do have to use I think so. In German, we call it, call it the non-violence communication style to really okay. stick to the I messages, to really take the, the temperature out of it. Because sure. if I give feedback, it's like in general, we do like this. How do I know how what the general people do? Absolutely. You certainly need to personalize it and not just have feedback be in a way when you, you know, if, if, if we're talking about a corrective conversation or a conversation for personal Im improvement, you need to give examples of not only the negative behavior, but you also need to give examples of what the positive behavior would look like so the individual knows how to adjust. Yeah, and I think that's also then going back to the sandwich method or the Oreo cookie that you start with something good, you sneak room for improvement in there, and then you might end again on a positive note. Exactly. Absolutely. When you are receiving feedback, how do you how do you do that? Because you said also before, feedback can be quite harsh at times. It's a great question. When you're receiving feedback, it it it, it is so important to maintain eye contact, but not intently. There there is the balance of maintaining eye contact, but if you're doing it too intensely, people will think you're getting angry. Not wear your emotions on your face and listen. Listen to what people are saying and what they're not saying to see 
where is the nugget, where are the nuggets, hopefully, that you can take to improve? Because the delivery of the feedback may have its own agenda, but and, and that a, a agenda may be to control you and not necessarily improve you. I know we've been talking about feedback from a position of an altruistic giving of feedback, but there are some people that don't have an altruistic giving of feedback. They instead have their own agenda that they want you to manipulate into and em embrace. So it's understanding, again, separating the wheat from the chaff, finding the nuggets in feedback that can be helpful in understanding the perspective of the individual providing the feedback. And that takes listening and waiting before you speak. Do you accept everybody's feedback? You have to accept everybody's feedback, but you don't have to implement it. Some feedback is positive for you. Some feedback is in your best interest. Other people's feedback is for their own agendas. Other people's feedback is because of their own fear. So it's a matter of listening to the feedback and then figuring out what can help improve you, improve the goal you're moving towards, and move the marble down the road. How do you control your emotions? Because and now I tell you what I'm thinking about, say, social media. It's like there's more and more of a platform. People can share feedback. You didn't even ask for it. It might be anonymous. How do you manage that? So social media, although I, I use it, is one of the great, and I'm not using great in a positive sense, one of the great destructions of, of society because people used to be able to have conversations where they agreed to disagree and yeah. they were able to present their opinions in a well thought out way and learn from one another. So social media has taken that away because people just feel like they're standing at the top of a mountain and what they say must be right. When you receive feedback that you are not aligned with at all, you need to investigate it and you, you, you need to find out about it. I remember that I was once in a meeting with, not at the current company I, I, I'm at, but a, a few companies ago, I was in a meeting with my immediate supervisor. We were having a conversation and it was all, all good. He goes, there's one more thing. And then he calls in his most trusted direct report and she, and she closed the door. And this individual pr proceeds to describe to, to, to me that nobody enjoyed working with me, that mm. it was just, you know, it, it was in, in, in my face that nobody enjoyed working with me, giving me specific things that people had said. And I told them I was surprised. I, I told them that I was shocked. I, I knew that I could be direct, but I didn't think that this was occurring. So I was going to investigate it and talk to all the people that they had brought up in the conversation and more. And they said, oh, no, don't do that, because that will make them uncomfortable. I said, well, I'm going to do it anyway. So <laughs> I approached every single person, and every single person told me the same thing. They hadn't had the conversation with anybody about me. The things that were attributed to them saying they hadn't said, and 
Yes, I wasn't the easiest person to work with all the time, but nobody is. And they, they respected my perspective. And I would, th and I never went back to my boss about it because my boss knew what the outcome of me investigating the feedback was. And that's why I've talked about today that you need to listen to all the feedback, but you don't need to implement all of it because there are times that people have their own agenda and you need to be able to put on your big boy and big girl pants and go investigate the feedback that you've been given to see if it's truthful or if it, there's a personal agenda feeding it and fueling it. People need to be solutions focused. That if you can't provide the solutions to what you are talking about, then why are you even talking about it? Do you just like the sound of your voice? You need to be able to provide a solution and not just pick things apart. Thank you so much for your insights about feedback. Is there any last thing you want to share about feedback? Feedback, like you said, is a gift. And feedback is something that we should be thankful for. And even today, with all that I've written about feedback, with all that I've experienced with feedback, Feedback can still be difficult. So don't think that you will arrive at your ability to embrace feedback. Because if you think you have arrived at your ability to embrace feedback and it doesn't affect you and it's just all, you know, a growth opportunity, one, I want to talk to you. And two, you've probably got some major feedback coming that's going to rock your world. And you just said you want to talk to those people. If they want to stay in touch with you, how can they do that? Sure. So there's lots of ways to stay in, in touch with me. People can go to my website, litvokleadership.com, and they can get started. They can set up a free 30-minute conversation with me if they want to hop on a Zoom. People can email me at my first name dot my last name, sean.litvok at litvokleadership.com. I'm super easy to find on social. Just go to your favorite social media, type in my name or type in Litvok Leadership and you will find me. And if you want to be a part of my community for Proverbs for Leadership, I would encourage you to go to Amazon and get the book and go to proverbsforleadership.com to sign up to be a part of my com community. At the time that we're re recording this, that sends people to my community. In the near future, it's going to send people to be able to buy a signed copy of my book, but they'll also be able to become a part of my community at that address where I send out the almost weekly newsletter and the occasional text. And I will also add all those links to the show notes. Seishan, what is coming up next for you? I am taking the book and I am building lessons from around the book because it's one thing to read the book and to have people underline it and look at how to implement it into their lives. But I want to provide resources to people from the perspective of each chapter suggestions to people, resourceful suggestions to people, 
as to how to implement the main points of each chapter in the book into their lives. So, so that's one thing that is up and coming. I expect to have that probably dribbling out on my website over the next 90 days to six months, a little bit at, at a time. And I'm going to begin this year working on another that'll come wow. out probably in 18 months to two years. And very last question, who else should I have on the show? I would say Randy Chafee. He is the hybrid sales warrior. And he was a gentleman that I, I know, I met him dur during COVID, that before COVID, he did nothing online, nothing hybrid. He, he had a website, but he traveled every single week all the time going from trade show to trade show to trade show. And Randy had to embrace the virtual lifestyle. And then when people went back to being in person, how to take what he knew from the beginning to what he had learned and turn it into the hybrid sales warrior. Randy Chafee would be a great guy for you to have on and for people to connect with. I will ask you for the introduction after our call. I will. I'd like to thank you for spending time with me and sharing your wisdom. It was super interesting. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Hannah. I really enjoyed being on your podcast. You're easy to talk to. So the, this was definitely fun, and I appreciate the platform to talk about my book, Proverbs for Leadership. I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I did, and I hope... I didn't overpromise it, but I have to say, I really think feedback is so important and it's a gift in one way or another. If there's something you would love to share with me, you can reach me at hannahadelegate.com. You can also tag me and the podcast at Delegate or Reaching Your Goals podcast. I'm always happy to hear from you guys. With that, we are one step closer to reaching your goals. Talk to you guys next week. Bye.